With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mets fans, welcome to episode 310 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. My name is Brian Salvatore. Thank you for joining us. We have uh, sort of a single-minded show this week. It's just me and Chris, and uh, we are going to be discussing sort of the beginning of spring training, some storylines to look out for, and a little bit more. So let's dig in. Well, Chris, as we are recording this, we are on the eve of pitchers and catchers reporting for spring training. It is the time of year when I am the most optimistic about the Mets. I know that not everybody is always uh, as optimistic as I am, uh, or, or historically as you have been. You you used to be the optimist of the show. Um, <laughs> but sort of what are the things that you're looking for this, this spring? What are some of the things that you think are going to be the interesting story Interesting stories to watch, interesting positional battles if there are any. You know, just generally, what are you looking out for in these first few weeks of spring training? So I guess the top thing for me is can Jeff McNeil really play the outfield? 
because if he can, then that sort of changes things pretty dramatically, I think, going into the start of the season. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's they've talked about it in such a way that I can't imagine they won't actually do it. You know, we've gotten conditioned to uh, a, a team, an organization that for several years in a row has started spring training saying, oh, so-and-so is going to go play this position and we're going to get a look and see what that's like and all that. And then not really following through. Right. You know, whether it was Jose Reyes in the outfield was a, a recent one, I think. In center field um, specifically. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm trying to think of other specific examples, uh, but there were plenty of times that that came up. So I mean, e- even uh, Ahmed Rosario in center field last spring. Yeah, yeah. So actually seeing McNeil play the outfield regularly, um, you know, to a point that you might be able to gain some sort of useful information from it. Uh, I think that. And, and there are several other things, but for number one in my mind is, can he do it? Um, you know, you never want to put too much faith in somebody's batting line, somebody's ERA, any of that kind of stuff from exhibition games. Uh, but I do think it's probably easier to evaluate defense and not on some like high level, you know, stat cast you know, the the exact level of, right. of analysis. But all we want you know. is to know if he can cut it just even by the eyeball test out there. Does he look reasonably comfortable in the outfield? Right. Oh, yeah. No, you can tell <laughs> you don't need any data if somebody's so bad that you just go, nope, that doesn't work. Yeah. Like you can, you can do that without looking at anything other than what, what that looks like in the field. And I'm trying to think going back. Did Daniel Murphy or Lucas Duda play the outfield in spring training in any significant Ooh, capacity that's an before interesting they, question. Before they did it, like in actual games that to whatever extent they mattered, mattered. Um, I'm gonna say Duda did. Yeah, I just can't remember. And it wasn't that long ago, but I mean it was long enough ago. <laughs> that's true. Unfortunately, but, uh, but yeah, no, so actually give a guy a shot, see if it works. And then if it's a disaster, Hey, that's what spring training is for. You know, so much of it is sort of routine and I don't, I don't expect the Mets to go out and be like breaking new ground here or anything, but, uh, spring training should be like, it's like your time in like a, a lab. Like, let's mix these things together and see what happens, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've i wondered the last couple of years if the, like, the, uh, what's what I'm looking for? There's been a real change in how um, spring training has been looked at, both because of, like, the MLB.com slash network industrial complex, uh, and also just because I think, there's just more of an appetite for baseball early in the spring than there was many years ago for a number of reasons. But I wonder if that has hurt teams abilities to really experiment in, in spring training because the first SNY broadcast game is something like February 25th. 
you know, is there, because there's going to be more eyes on everything right now and more people covering the game and the games and all of that, does that limit the amount of experimentation a team can do? Would the Mets be more willing to experiment if no one's watching? Yeah, no, I get that. And you're dealing with, I think, you know, this, um, the, the, the perception, right? Like you're still trying to sell tickets. You know, you're, yeah. you're trying to get people excited. Uh, I guess the ideal way to do it would be the road or split squad or just non-televised games. Get a little more experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that first broadcast is the first game on the 23rd of this month. But, oh, wow. But, yeah, so it's, you know, I, I, on the 23rd, I would probably not play Jeff McNeil. <laughs> and, it, like, that's not what people are going to want. They're going to want to see it. But, you know, to the extent that Mets fans are tuning in, like, maybe have him play a lot of outfield leading up to that. And then day one, probably, I'm going to guess, like, the highest ratings they get for a spring training game. Right. Let's maybe let him... You know, DH or maybe like Keon Broxton play that day. Yeah, yeah. Here's a here's a new guy that we're excited about. Let's see what he can do. We know he can play center field. Um, take a little bit of pressure off, but but yeah. And I mean, part of the question with with McNeil is can he play the outfield, and if so, where? Right. You know. Um, I've seen a bunch of but, folks, including our own uh, Vass, who will have an article about this but up by the time that the uh the show posts saying that you know he thinks it'll be ideal if McNeil could play center field and while I think that yes if you were to hope that there is a secret skill set inside Jeff McNeil defensive center field it would <laughs> be a good one like I I just don't know if that's necessarily the place that I would play a first time outfielder like, I would right. feel much better with Nimmo or Conforto in center field, guys who have done it even at a limited level, both in terms of amount of innings log there and also maybe you know defensive ability there. I would much rather those guys than McNeil, who's played nine minor league games, I believe, in the outfield, to all of a sudden be trying to take reps in center field. And, and that's not to pick on Vass or anybody else who's saying that. I understand where they're coming from. It just, to me, seems like the most extreme wishful thinking you can you can have yeah 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 uh aside from mcneil in the outfield one of the things i'm really interested to see is sort of how the 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 back and i don't mean the back end of the bullpen in terms of the end of the game i mean the i guess the the front end of the bullpen i don't know how you describe like the not marquee members of the bullpen I'm interested to see how roster spots like 23, 24, and 25 shake out from the bullpen. Yeah. Because <laughs> there are some really interesting names there. You know, you have Kyle Dowdy, who is a, a rule five pick. So that's somebody, if the Mets are going to hold on to him, presumably they're going to do so in the bullpen. You know, I'm interested in that. I think uh, Luis Avalon and Hector Santiago are at least interesting names to consider. You know, um, I liked what I saw a little bit last year of Daniel Zamora. At times, I liked what I saw from Tyler Bashler. 
you know, there are a number of guys who I think are, you know, the, if we're talking about 2017, Paul Sewald had a really nice season. You know, there are there are a lot of of potential names there. And while I don't think that those names are necessarily the difference between the Mets making the playoffs and not making the playoffs, I think that a smartly constructed bullpen could could just work wonders with this team right now. And yes, the fact that they have Diaz and Familia and Wilson and Lugo and Gazelman are more important probably than those last two or three spots. I'm very curious to see how the Mets choose to make up those last two or three spots. Um, is there anybody you're particularly rooting for? Um, so, I mean, I think Avalon is a guy who has had major league success, you know, whether or not he becomes redundant with Wilson, it, it can't hurt to have two guys, even if they are doing something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then among the rest, I I don't know anything about Kyle Dowdy other than, you know, things we read about him uh, around the time of the Rule 5 draft. So I don't know if he's got something that'll catch my eye and make me think that, you know, hey, this is a guy who he, he's got some stuff. Let's make sure he sticks around. Right. And I want him to get a bullpen spot for that reason. And then beyond that, I think for whatever reason, um, Drew Smith was my guy of the you know the guys who came up last year. Yeah. I, I think I remember you saying that um, Bachelor yeah. was for yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, going back, you know, a few episodes at this point, but I don't even remember if Wilson was part of the discussion. When we I no, I don't this. think he, I don't think he was yet because that that was still a relatively. Uh, Relatively recent signing. He might have been. Uh, I, I'm always reluctant to say something like that because I know there's a listener who knows exactly when we talked about that. And I <laughs> I just happen to not be that guy. So maybe. maybe yeah. Not. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I don't have like a my guy mm-hmm. out, of, out of all of it. Um, you know, I will say that I think I'm optimistic about Gazelman uh, maybe excelling in, in the role a little bit more this year. Uh you know, Lugo, I like a lot. I mean, these are guys that we assume are going to be there, that they're not on the bubble. But, um, you know, I think those two can be nice fourth and fifth relievers. Or if, if you know, if you're really high on Lugo, you might put him higher than that. But, you know, the three, the the reacquired Jerry's Familia, along with Diaz and Wilson, you know, that that's sort of your, like, your big three. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't have anything like everybody kind of fell into the same boat, you know, yeah. <laughs> like the, ev- all of them do something that is kind of interesting and could work, but none of them uh, are really interesting <laughs> overall. Right. Yeah. You know, if you had somebody who threw as hard as Diaz, who is among the minor league portion of this, you know, where maybe they hadn't had the talent or not the talent, sorry, hadn't had the results, then I could see, okay, you know, that that's a guy I could kind of latch onto. But a lot of them do 
similar things and it's just kind of finding which one you know i'm I'm generalizing I, I know there's a range of velocities and you know pitch mixes and all that kind of stuff but but yeah there's there's no i mean actually uh, okay i've got one archimedes camonero solely for the name yep uh that there's somebody who i can root for to have uh you know a, a great spring um that's an 80 grade name yeah oh yeah no it's like just to get that on a on a Mets jersey, whether or not I got one myself, just to just to have that be a thing, just to give and, you the option. Yeah, and you know, I mean, he he uh, he took a break from Major League Baseball and played in Japan, but you know, he in 2015 and 16 combined, he had a three six three five something, um, three five nine ERA. You know that that's somebody who. I don't know. He could potentially be useful. Yeah. He's got the name. So there there we have it. I that that's my guy. <laughs> A solid choice. A solid choice. And then let all the other guys I just mentioned uh or or most of them, you know, be in Vegas. Be uh, your no, no 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 no. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> I got it. We need a jar. Yeah. Uh, you know. Be in Vegas so they can call him up to play at Shea. Although, yeah, <laughs> th- those didn't overlap either, did they? I don't believe so. No, <laughs> no, they hadn't gotten. Ca- okay, well, we'll send him to the Polo Grounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Be in Syracuse. Yes, yes, that's gonna. It was so easy. Vegas was such an easy thing to just to just like dump a player in, like ah, send him to Vegas. You know, I, I've never been, so I guess I shouldn't judge too much. But it's very easy to just kind of offhand, you know, uh, that guy's not any good. Just just send him to Vegas. Um, yeah. Um. Oh yeah. It would it would be funny if part of being in the AAA affiliate of you know of of Las Vegas was that like you had a residency somewhere, <laughs> and like you you went and. <laughs> like did showed off your baseball skills in like a theater. <laughs> uh, then we need to bring back someone like Bartolo Colon because you know that he's he has Vegas old man show written all over him. Oh yeah, tell jokes about his two families, you know, <laughs> jiggle his belly for the crowd. There's so much he could do. Um. How long? How long? Now we we are going off the rails, and that's fine. How long before there's a Vegas show that is just gifts, <laughs> like a screen? Yeah, just just like <laughs> gif, just endless gifts presented in a sequence. It would be considered art. Is it a curated I, I, sequence? Right. Yeah. So so somebody is sitting down and deciding like. This person, slip, this person slipping on ice, should follow up this baby, accidentally saying "fuck." Like so, someone is is curated. It's not like an automated uh, thing. There's there's still a human behind it. Yeah, obviously Bartolo jiggling his belly is what right took me down this <laughs> yeah. path. Uh, I'm gonna say less than five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. At some point, the internet will really make it. 
Yes. With a Vegas show. I am I am legitimately surprised there's not a like a Cirque du Soleil, but that purposely does fails. Ah, uh, yeah. Like really high intensity fails in Vegas. Yeah. Well, Syracuse, if you need something to add to your uh, <laughs> your live entertainment, I think a live fail show is a terrible idea, but one that'll make you money. So I have copyrighted that. It is on the air now. I uh, I can sue if anyone steals my idea. Uh, anyway, a uh, little more bit of Mets news here. Jacob DeGrom has been in the news. Um, both DeGrom and CAA and the Mets have said that opening day is the deadline for discussing a contract extension for this offseason. Um, do you see that as any reason to worry? No. No, not particularly. I mean, it's it's a lighter version of sort of putting the spotlight on the Mets in their front office and, you know, sort of urging them to get something done. Um you know, it's not what Van Wagenen said when he was DeGrom's agent, you know, extend him or trade him now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's not that, but, you know, obviously there was a, a there was a motive to get that out there, uh, you know, kind of a, a nice reminder that, hey, this is still something I'm interested in, but... You know, I don't want to talk about it in the season. I, I don't think that's the primary reason why he would say it or, you know, get it out there. Uh, but, you know, you, you accomplish that and you go into it, you know, knowing that you might actually get something done. I don't know if he thinks he <laughs> I don't know if he's optimistic about it, but, you know, a nice reminder that, hey, you might want to actually address this. Um, I saw <laughs> we need a word for this type of person. Somebody who was once considered like a young upstart, but just turned into the thing that they were rallying against all the time. Um, I saw that guy, Bob Clappish, on uh MLB Network yesterday on Brian Kenny's show. Uh, uh-huh. and he basically said that by DeGrom saying this out loud, it means he's very upset with the Mets. And I don't agree with that. I think that's Clappish trying to make this into a bigger story than it is. But I do think that he wouldn't have said it if he didn't believe that there was a chance it wasn't going to get done. Like, if he was confident about an extension happening, he wouldn't say, we're not going to discuss it during the season. There has to be some sort of gamesmanship here where he's trying to let the Mets know that, yes, he wants to talk about it, uh, and it's important that that happens soon, but I don't think that Degrom is necessarily all that displeased with the Mets because I think that having Brody there probably buys them a little more time. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, I mean you can get really cynical and wonder, <laughs> you know, did they did they bring him in? to keep some of his client former clients now happy. Right. You know, is it, it's, is it more awkward for DeGrom, especially now to make demands? And obviously, you know, he kind of got one out there, but 
um, is it more awkward for these guys to make demands with somebody who they were very close with before? Yeah. I'm a little bit surprised that he's not recusing himself from this, he being Van Wagenen. I understand why he wouldn't want to, and I understand why maybe to a certain degree DeGrom doesn't want him to. It just seems like of all of the things that you could accuse Van Wagenen of being inappropriate for because of his former job, doesn't this seem to be the biggest one? Yeah. Especially because DeGrom wasn't just a CAA client. He was Van Wagenen's client. Right. Well, I would love to see, you know, nothing. I don't, I'm not rooting for nothing to happen. But if nothing happens by opening day, I would love in July for whoever the CAA dude is who's repping DeGrom now. Uh, Jeff Barry? I think so. Yeah. Ring Isabel. You're probably right. Uh, I'd love for him to be in July. Mets general manager Brody Van Wagenen once said the Mets should trade him or <laughs> extend him. What the fuck? Uh, and like put put that on the record. You know, yeah. it, like I I want everything to be. I want the Mets to win 120 games. I want Degrom to be a Met until he retires. You know, there's there's all of that. Like I, if everything plays out as in the best case scenario, of course, that is what I want first. But if the Mets operate like the Mets and they don't extend him, um, then you want chaos. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just like to see it. Yeah, I mean, I guess this isn't the worst time to discuss Van Wagenen's first off season. You know, as Mets general manager, um, you know, as you and I know, because of the nature of this podcast. He's going to sign Machado or something tonight after we grade his offseason. Um, but bring it on. We, we, might, we, we might be safe. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, we have swapped roles, and I am now the optimist of this podcast. So, um, <laughs> you know, or, or at least sign some other, you know, moderate to big name free agent. But overall, how do you think Van Wagenen's first offseason went? So I guess the way I've been summing it up is that I like every move he made. Um, I don't have any strong takes on the J.D. Davis trade or the Kevin Ploiecki trade. Uh, you know, those are things that even when you read about the guys who are coming back in those deals, I don't know. It, it's really hard to form an opinion until you see a little bit more. Um, I will say that on Davis – they're hyping him up quite a bit going into spring training for a guy who is just not hit at the major league level at all. For, um, for a guy who projects to be their final piece of their bench, they're talking an awful lot about him. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 part's a little weird, but you know, whatever. I'm I'm I will. I'm withholding judgment on those things, those moves until we see what happens. Even Keon Broxton, to a certain extent, you know, I I, I get it. You see a guy who, even though his overall offensive capability might not be great, a guy who has hit 20 home runs, stolen 20 bases, you know, in in the same major league season, 
and can play center field. I, I get where like, oh, okay, that's exciting. You know, whether or not it's repeatable or, or you can, you know, get back to that point. So those guys, I'm, I'm still more in wait and see mode. Uh, I, I liked uh, on the bigger move side, I liked every move he made, you know, I'm not, um, I'm still very high on Cano. Uh, I, I'm very, very high on Edwin Diaz. I'd like that trade for what it was. I, I really don't think five years down the road, you're going to look and go, Oh man, that was just a colossal mistake. Um, uh, you know, uh, so I like that move. I like the Familia deal. Um, yep, I, I I like all of those all of those moves in isolation make sense. I don't think he overpaid for anybody. Um, you know, if you're looking at this strictly from a from the team's standpoint, um, you know, as much as I root for players to get paid what they're worth in free agency, you know, you you got guys who. Like I think Ramos probably got paid a little bit less than he's actually worth. Right. Um, so, from the Mets standpoint, hey, that's you know you you were able to do something that didn't require too great of a commitment. I would have preferred Grandal on the offer that was discussed, uh, but at the same time, I like Ramos a lot. Uh, you know, it's so it's it's been a series of moves that. Each one individually, I like. So I, I do think for a guy who's you know coming out of being an agent and never been a GM before, you know never worked for an organization before, I think he's done a pretty solid job. Uh, you know, with what he was handed, uh, with with the budget that he's been given. Uh, oh, and and we should mention Jed Lowry too. Yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, he he went and got guys, you know, uh, we're not sure exactly how it'll shake out and who plays what position yet uh, when we get around to opening day. But, you know, he, he went and got guys that you can go, you know, one through six, seven, eight, may, eight will depend on how Rosario develops. Um, you know, but you can make a lineup and, and – realistically think everybody in that lineup should be a league average or better hitter most of the way down, you know, until maybe you get to the seventh or eighth slot. Right. And that's good. You know, that that's something they haven't had before. So I, I think he did a good job putting the Mets in a position where there's a little more stability. Um, you know, the, the bullpen, uh, you know, Justin Wilson's contract is totally reasonable. Uh, I, I'm not one to harp on Familia. He got a little bit more per year than like Andrew Miller. Um, you know, they're they're both good. Andrew Miller at his best is obviously the better pitcher, but you know, they got somebody who was excited to come back and and rejoin the team, uh, and it, and has had success in his own right, and. You know they didn't they didn't vastly overpay him, right? So you look at all that and and hey, you know that it's a, it's a pretty good job. Um, the most glaring thing is that 
he has acquired Hector Santiago, who really he could be your fifth starter if somebody's hurt, you know, but he's he might not be much better as a starter than Jason Vargas. And starting pitching has just kind of been ignored. And that's the one thing I hoped would change because there's just been so much instability in terms of injuries, um, performance at times. You know, Mats was okay last year when he was healthy. Obviously, DeGrom, Sandegard, and Wheeler were all great, again, with Sandegard and Wheeler when they were healthy, which was most of the season mm-hmm. uh, for both. But, you know, you're not, you're not looking at, like, I don't know. We're not going back to the mid nineties Braves, right? Right. Where, uh, you have a serious collection of pitchers who, who are really, really good. And, you know, in 95 Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz and Steve Avery wasn't as good as those three. Let's just leave him out of that. Never mind that. (laughs) But Maddox, Glavin and Smoltz, through 192 and two-thirds innings or more that year. And those were guys who, you know, year in and year out uh, at that time were giving you, you know. Top five in baseball pitching performances. Yeah. And, and, you know, 96, Smoltz, 253 and two-thirds innings, you know, Glavin, 235 because 95 was shortened a bit coming off the strike right, yeah and 245 for Maddox you know and I know I know if you graph it out the way the innings pitched and distribution of innings has changed and all that and I'm not trying to re- make everybody relive nightmares from the 90s <laughs> with that Braves pitching staff but you know th- this is a group of guys who you 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 could just look at them and go all right there's 200 innings and they're gonna be good yep you know, the Mets aren't in that spot. So where this all falls apart, and the thing that sounds the most similar to Sandy Alderson, who I who I respected throughout his tenure, um, even if I finally did come around to like, eh, maybe this isn't enough, you know, with, with what he had done the last couple off seasons. Uh, but the thing that sounds the most similar is if the starting rotation stays healthy, we could we could and I know they haven't said win a world series, but it, they've implied if the, if the rotation is healthy, we're going to be, us, yeah. we're going to be great. We have a legitimate shot to win the division. We could be a playoff contender. And like, like look, we all saw in 2015. And even though it's Harvey less now, you, you, Syndergaard, it, Syndergaard certainly stepped up into the, uh, I'd say the tier that Harvey was on. Uh, and I know that all three of DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Harvey were involved in that postseason. But you saw what it looked like when you had starting pitchers with that kind of talent in the postseason. Yeah. Um, and even though they lost the wild card game the following year, you saw it again with Syndergaard in that game. So, sure. Yeah. It's just one injury. One of any significance. Not even like out for a season, but let's say – a month and a half or two months on the DL and all of a sudden 40% of your games are going to be started by somebody who's bad. By Hector Santiago or Chris Flexen. Right. Uh, Vargas and one of those guys, you know, so that's the thing to be one injury away from 
that. You know, if you would if you would have come into the offseason willing to tell Vargas he's going to be your long man out of the bullpen, uh, you're going to sign somebody who's better. Everybody goes down a slot in the depth chart, and even if the guy you signed is only five, you know Vargas becomes six, and everything else. You know, then you're one injury away from Vargas being your fifth starter. Right. And as we've talked about quite a bit on Amazing Avenue the last few weeks, there's still a fair amount of decent starting pitchers out there. Yeah, there are guys who I would absolutely hand the ball to on, you know, April 5th or what, you know, I mean, whatever day it is that you need your fifth starter the first time. Yeah. Um, there are definitely guys who I would say, like, hey, Fargy, uh, this guy's going to get this game and, you know, yep. we're going to we're gonna use you out of the bullpen for two or three innings at a time when we need you. Um. And there are even guys now that I would say probably don't cost you much more than a minor league contract who I would still feel more comfortable than Vargas. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's come up a couple times on the show, but Urban Santana fits that for me. Gio Gonzalez for me. It's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, we've seen some guys – it would be – crazy for Gio Gonzalez to get a minor league deal with like all incentives for his major league salary. Yeah. But at this point, it's not out I, of the question. I, right I actually think that's what he's going to sign. Yeah. And if that's the case, then shame on the Mets for not taking a flyer on, and I'm not just saying Gio, but on someone like that. Like, can you imagine two years ago saying on this podcast that Gio Gonzalez will have more or less two Gio Gonzalez years in a row and then sign a minor league deal. It's not like Gio Gonzalez pitched like garbage last year. He maybe had right. a down year for him, but it wasn't exactly a, uh, it wasn't a waste of a year by any means. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 4.21 ERA is not horrid. No. It's, you know, it's not amazing, but a lot lower than Jason Vargas is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that's. I, I think, I think Brody went Van. Uh, it, uh, there we go, messing his name up on on the second beer of the podcast. <laughs> Brody Van Wagenen, uh, but you know Brody Van Wagenen, I think he's done a good job. I think he did a really good job of of putting to bed the storyline of can an agent be a GM? Yeah. Just in terms of, you know, he comes in, he makes a series of moves. And I'm not saying everybody was 100% on board with every move. Um, but he made a bunch of moves that were rational, justifiable in my mind. Uh, you know, made the bets better. It's just where they started from wasn't that high of a point. Right. So, you know, he's, he's, uh, he, yeah, he's done a pretty good job. I'm concerned the Wilpons didn't give him enough room to work with. Right. Well, that's kind of my grade for him. This off season is, is similar to yours. I think that, Given the perceived budget that we think he was under, I think he, when you look at how much he remade 
the major league roster in one offseason. It's pretty remarkable. And so on that hand, kudos to him. Because I think that the reason I'm not a GM is because I would be quick... I, I wouldn't be as quick to give up on a guy like a Dom Smith, somebody that is drafted in the first round and you're not just trying to get to play every day because you want him to be the best player he can be, but because you have a significant investment in him, whether it's financial or emotional or both. You know, I would be hard-pressed to give up on those guys, but Brody can come in and say, that wasn't my draft pick, wasn't my guy, and can be much more rational about it. So, you know, I like that part of it. And I like that if there was a budget in place, he seems to have done the best he could with the budget. What I will say is that I think that the Wilpons are not taking advantage of an historic offseason where they could, for, let's call it, if they wanted to spend another 15 or $20 million, which would not put them all that much... It would not change the perception of the Mets as spenders. If they spent $20 million more, the conversation wouldn't be like, whoa, whoa, the Mets are finally spending money. The Mets would be closer to what they should be spending based on their market, but it wouldn't put them into crazy territory. But anyway, if they spent $20 million, think about all the improvements they could make. Think about all the players they could get starting pitching insurance, maybe another, uh, you know. I actually don't know who I would, what kind of player I'd pick up offensively right now. They, they, they re-signed Devin Mesoraco to a minor league deal, which I think is a smart move, if, if certainly not a sexy one, you know. Um, but the, what I'm saying is, with $20 million to spare, you, you get a, another bullpen piece, you get another potential starter or two, and all of a sudden, the team looks looks much better than it does today. If you can spend $30 million, which still does not put your team in the top echelon of teams that spend, but if you could drop $30 million on a Harper or a Machado, all of a sudden then the Mets are unbelievably stacked offensively. And at, at that point, you say, wow, even though the Mets traded a fair amount of prospects for a J.D. Davis, even though they gave up Kevin Plucky for basically nothing. Even if you ignore all that stuff, if they are, if they were able to bring in a Harper or Machado, even a Dallas Keuchel at this point, and, and bolster what they've already been given, man, this team looks very exciting then. Then it looks like there's nothing that can stop this, this team, perhaps. Um, but because they've been reluctant to put their foot on the gas to go after that big-name player, because of all of that, it makes it very hard to be more than just cautiously optimistic. But I think Van Wagenen, for his part, has done a very good job this offseason so far. Yeah. Hey, uh, <clears throat> I'm on board. So hopefully <laughs> the worst thing is that if they start 11-1 this year, all anybody's going to talk about is the failure. Like they need to go like I don't know, ten and four or something. <laughs> just just like get there somewhere in, in a sequence. You know, of course, uh, I'm rooting for them to start the season on a 25 game winning streak. But um, 
just for the sake of not feeling like you constantly have to refer back to it. Right. If it could just so happen that they had a really good record uh, that was a little more modest in the middle of April, that that might be that would be fun. Yeah, because last season was, you know, last season was a nice reminder that no matter how good it starts, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to end that way. Right. And even though the playoff odds were astronomically high. <laughs> Doesn't mean they're actually going to get there. You know, I remember you saying at some point around the time that, that that you're really not a fan of the. Well, if they just play 500 the rest of the way, yeah, they're fine. And I think you said that before things got really bad. And you know whether whether that was the case or not, but I'm pretty sure you did. And it looked unfortunately really good in hindsight. Yeah. Well, because that just implies that, I don't know. There are so many problems I have with that phrase. But right. That's well, that it's, like, it's, like it's just easy to do. Right, yeah. Um, so I have one last question I want to ask you, Chris. All and right. It's, again, built around a phrase we don't like. But if you had to place your bet as to what Met will legitimately show up in the best shape of his life, the spring training, who would be your legitimate guess? So I guess Flexen is out only because he had like posted the buff photo on Instagram and Tacoma wrote about it. And I know he tweeted about it today and was like, I'm really trying to avoid in the best shape of his life, but he did kind of do something remarkable. So I wanted to write about it. (laughs) So he's, that's not fair because we already have seen a little bit of that. So who, who shows up other than him unexpectedly in shape? Oh, that's a good question. Somebody who you're like, hot damn, they really had a good off season. They, they look trim. They look, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, hmm. Basically, who Dom Smith's it this year? Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm going to say maybe Conforto. Okay. Not that he was not in good shape, but I don't mean that at all. But like McNeil has already had that moment himself. Right. Yeah. Where it was like lanky little guy who can hit all of a sudden was just <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Conforto's a good so, pick because he was hurt last off season. And so like, this is the first time he's had a healthy off season as an established star, you know? So. Right. Yeah. And, and and you always got to remember that even the guys who might look and, I'm, and again I'm not saying Conforto does, but even the guys who might look like they're like a little bit bigger, there's there's a lot of muscle there. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that like they're just some big guy who's completely out of shape. Right. Like they're big, but they're also doing a bunch of stuff that puts them in a spot that they're in shape. But having said that. I guess I'll stick with Conforto. Do you have uh, Do you have a pick? I have sort of two dark horse candidates. The first okay. one is a guy who I think has to realize his job is is on the bubble right now, and so coming in a little bit either more built up or a little bit skinnier would probably be a good thing. And that's Todd Frazier. But his okay, yeah, his age and general New Jerseyness works against him in that way. And I say that as a proud <laughs> denizen of the Garden State, but you know. 
he just strikes me as the kind of guy who doesn't who spends the off season doing the important things like eating pizza and hanging out with his kids versus you know drinking soylent and doing p90x necessarily um right but in the other p90x there's a th- i haven't heard anybody actually talk about that in a while <laughs> well i'm showing my age here chris um <laughs> barwis yeah barwis there we go uh the other guy though i think might be uh, a candidate for this is travis darno because he has to realize that he came within a hair's breadth of not being on this team anymore and so yeah. he feels, and he has kind of uh, his elbow is still an unknown. He's probably been working out the rest of his body really hard to account for that maybe unknown elbow. So I can see Darno coming in really trim, really in shape. Yeah, yeah. No, he came to mind as I was deliberating, but yeah. The the, the best answer is that they signed Bartolo Colon to a minor league deal. And Bartolo comes in in the best shape of his life. And by that, I mean even fatter. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, the next time we do this, we'll be, we'll be recording once position players have reported, I believe. Yeah. It's hard to believe we're here already. It is. folks that does it for another installment of amazing avenue audio thank you so much for joining us we truly appreciate it please email the show aa audio podcast at gmail.com find the show at amazingavenue.com at blogtalkradio.com on apple podcasts on stitcher wherever you get your podcasts grab the show there please rate review and subscribe if applicable that does help us out quite a bit you can find more from chris myself and from everyone who's on the show at AmazingAvenue.com. We are about to launch our season preview series. We're just wrapping up our One Last Move series. Lots going on as spring training gets underway, so check that out. You can also find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. And you can find Chris and I on Twitter. He is at Chris McShane. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. By the time you hear this, pitchers and catchers will have reported, and that's a glorious thing. And so... Let's bask in the eternal hope that is spring training, and let's go Mets.